Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Enjoy. is. I don't know the definition of icon, but I can tell you from from my point of view, I, I don't even, I don't know how an icon walks, let alone talks. Uh, an icon, I guess the meaning of the word would be out of um, the Greek uh, 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 yogurt. Uh, yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to be funnier than me. <laughs> Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at the GBB Podcast and anywhere that you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to tell your friends, because if we're just speaking to nobody, then what's the really the point, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know we're not speaking to nobody. We love you guys. We love you who come back every week and listen to us and subscribe to us. But, you know, tell your friends, man. If you like, if you dig us, other people will dig us. You dig? Okay. You so- dig? This is the beginning of two weeks of Batman. Woo! Batman. Woo! I don't know. Why did I make a ghost sound? This is two weeks of Batman. Frankly, we don't talk about Batman enough. I don't think we do. Because Batman, growing up, was and is one of my favorite uh, comic characters. And really the only comic I read out of the DC, and that may be my fault, but growing when I had the comic book folders, it was the only comic I would take out was Batman Detective from DC. So... Batman! <laughs> yeah, I am the same way. When I was growing up, Batman was what got me into comics, and that was primarily what I read. Um, I, I don't really read it as much anymore. Again, that's on me. Um, and, you know, Batman the Animated Series was a staple of yes, my after-school of life. And it was like, that was that was what I... That, I lived and breathed for that show. Um mm-hmm. And what's what's funny is, I mean, today we're talking about Batman versus Two-Face, which is one of the new animated films that's set in the Batman 66 world. Um, and I have always been a fan of that show. And just as cheesy as it is and as corny as it is, I love that show. Um, and I bought the Blu-ray complete series when it when it came out. And I, I was like, I don't know if the kids are going to like this. I don't know if they're going to get it. But I was like, we're going to try it. So I, I put on like the first episode and they were instantly hooked. Like they call it cheesy Batman. They're like, can we watch cheesy Batman tonight? And like, but they, they, they don't mean it as like, they're not making fun of it. You know, that that's yeah. just what they call it because they recognize that it's cheese, you know, which it is. It was intended to be cheese, uh, but it's, they, they love it. And it really does hold up. I mean, it, my wife watches it and she does not understand it. She's like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand what you guys are. Why are you watching this? But for me and the kids, man, we get it. Like we're we're on oh, the yeah. same wavelength. <laughs> There's the net, the movies on the like the Batman sixty six movie is on Netflix. Yeah, at least in Canada. Yeah, and I was watching it maybe six months ago, 
and I got Isaac, my son, in here to watch it with me, and he he wasn't didn't know what to expect, and I didn't tell him what it was going to be, and it was the scene where they were on the helicopter, and he pulls out the shark repellent, and Isaac's like, "Dad, what? He has shark? What bat shark repellent? <laughs> I can't like exactly. is Isaac so literal? It, you gotta just." You got to turn your brain off when you watch that show. (laughs) And I love how they how they do their deductions, like when they're solving the Riddler's uh, clues, like how they jump from point A to point B. So ridiculous is the best. (laughs) What a show. Oh, man, I love that show. I love I love it. I love it. So Batman versus Two-Face, you got to you got to go to a panel or a roundtable of I don't was it a panel or a roundtable for interviews? for the cast so there was a panel there was a there was a main stage or main hall panel i did not go to the panel they actually screened the movie there before it before it released um i was not there um i was at the press roundtables um and so yeah batman versus two-face is the second animated film that is set in the you know batman 66 world last year uh return of the caped crusaders came out um, and significant because Adam West was back as Batman, Burt Ward is back was back as Robin, Julie Newmar, who we've had on the show. If you want, if you're interested, go back and listen to that episode. Julie Newmar was back as Catwoman. They had a lot of people come back and reprise their voices, which was phenomenal. So now a year later, uh, that film, the first film, did well. So they did Batman versus Two Face, which is the second one set in that world. It is significant by itself because it is they recorded it before adam west passed so adam west is in this film as batman it is his last time obviously in the role um so adam west is back as batman burt ward is still there as robin julie newmar is there and joining the cast as two-face and harvey dent william shatner so uh, just a little actor you might a little actor you might have heard of (laughs) so you got to actually sit down near william shatner did you how bad were you like i need a selfie but you can't do that right because you're uh yeah no selfies are a big they're a big no-no when you're sitting at press rooms um i'm not a huge guy i'm not a huge selfie fan um yeah i was two seats away from him so i mean i i could have just reached over and touched him without even getting up out of my seat um, I got plenty of pictures, obviously, because you can, yeah. you're allowed to take pictures to support, you know, if you're going to write right. about it or, or whatever. And, you know, if you've clicked on this episode through the post on Geek Dad, then you'll have seen one of the pictures that I ha- that I took. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool to just sort of be that close. I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, it's humble brag, right? I've met a lot of people through the podcast. Right. I've met, you know, either talking to them or through you've Skype had with or in person. <laughs> that's true i did so i mean i don't really get starstruck all that often um but come on it's william shatner it's captain kirk right of course yeah and we've been trying to get him on the show <laughs> we're gonna keep pushing um we're, we're we're still gonna push we're not gonna let up we're gonna he's gonna be on our show someday yeah yeah well i mean technically he's on our show today um but yes we would like yes. to have him back you know as, a, I mean. as a solo standalone guest yeah so oh, first up we've got five people were involved in this so um, we got Shatner and Burt Ward, uh, and then I also talked to the supervising producer and co-writer, another producer and co-writer, and then the director. Um, so first up, we will talk to the director, uh, Rick Morales. So um, he is 
not a stranger to you know DC universe and animated films, but um, this was the first time that I had met him. The first time we had chatted. So, um, director of Batman and Two Batman versus Two Face, Rick Morales. Just, you ever think you'd direct a Batman movie before? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I have, but not one like this. You know? um, I mean, Adam West and William Shatner and Burt Ward, it's pretty incredible. What was your favorite thing with working with such amazing guys? Um, I think it's just kind of what, what they brought to it, you know, especially in the case of William Shatner. I, I think his performance as Two-Face is... Uh, just incredible like it was it was fun to you know we record these things and then well most of the time we record these things first and then we do uh, storyboards to them you know and uh, their performances are, are really helpful in, in us kind of in dictating to us what you know how they're gonna be acting visually and all that stuff the shots that we choose even <clears throat> um, but but I think when you guys see it if you haven't seen it or whatever um, Two-Face is awesome you guys think you're gonna carry on? I don't know if this is a decision that you make. Are you gonna carry on with that Batman 66 animated without Adam? It's not a decision that I make, um, but you know, I I don't know. I I feel like it's doubtful just because you know Adam West and but I love this. I love this era. I love uh, I love this take on Batman. So you know, if they wanted to do more, I'd, I'd be up for it. How did but, you? Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. How did you uh, settle on uh, Two Face as the villain? <clears throat> well, I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where it's it's you know obviously it's someone, it's a villain that had never appeared in this era before, and it just kind of seems like, you know, William Shatner um, would have been at that time a good fit for the role in reality, and so it just it made a lot of sense. What was your entry point into Batman, like growing up, and like how did that influence the way you handle the properties? It was probably the Adam West show, um, actually, because I, I do remember watching that as a very young kid in reruns, of course, um, <laughs> uh, you know, on, on the weekends and whatever, and, and uh, on summer summer vacation, and, and just it actually is is the reason that I uh, that I love the character of Robin so much because I love Burt Ward. As Robin, so that was a was really nice pleasure to work with him. If you were to continue the, this franchise of the Batman '66, where would you like to take the next story? Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's a good question. I think this one tonally is very different than uh, Return of the Cape Crusaders, the last one that we did. That one was um, a lot more campy. This one's this one's humorous, but it's also actually darker. So. I don't know. I don't know if we could go much darker than what we've done here. Maybe that way. I don't know. What's it been like going from the first one to this one? Like the transition. I think, I think the first one was was uh, was sort of difficult in a way. Um, just trying to get people working in a in a style that we were kind of unfamiliar with, filmmaking wise, and uh, well, some of us were unfamiliar with. But this one, I think, was a lot more natural because. Um, we basically ended up just saying, like, you know what? What if it was uh, basically Batman the Animated Series, but with Adam West, you know? So we kind of approached it sort of in, in, in that vein. And uh, um, and I think that was something that 
a lot of the crew was was more comfortable with. So, um, and plus, like having gotten that first one out of us, it just it always kind of progressively gets easier. So. Are there any other bad films you'd like to see get the 66 treatment? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. There, there's actually a uh, there's a sequence in this one that was just kind of like a, a throwaway thing where um, it's it's the very beginning of the film, and you just kind of see them, <clears throat> Batman and Robin, taking out different villains and whatever. And and at the time, I remember thinking like, well, what if we did like some of the more modern villains like ridiculous things like what would Bane be like in 66 you know <laughs> it, it didn't end up happening but um but uh, you know that there could be something interesting there it's interesting that you say this one is a lot darker than the first one like it's Batman 66 does not strike me as a dark show right so I mean in your experience in your history with the character like why does Batman always need to go dark I don't think it does need to go dark I mean you know clearly the the last film wasn't and you got it's 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 a matter of scale. When I say dark, like you know, still watch this one. It's not, you know, it's not Christian Bale. It's not. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it doesn't. I don't I don't I don't believe that. I mean, I a lot of stuff that I do is uh, the Lego Batman. You know, Lego DC stuff. That's very light Batman. You know, very you know humorous Batman. So um, I think he works it any way you want to do him. You know, put him in space. He's he works. He does. Are you excited for the Ninja Batman? Uh, I'm very curious to see it. I know nothing about it, but um, but I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Shatner obviously comes with his own uh, reputation and legacy. Um, were there nerves before meeting him for the first time? <laughs> Was there anything about him that surprised you? That that surprised me? Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, you know, you know, it's funny because you go, you do these voice records. And usually it's it's me, you know, if I'm the producer and some, you know, production staff, or if I'm directing, it's me, the producer, maybe the writers there, a couple other people. That room was full. <laughs> there were a ton of people there for that record. I think everybody was really interested in seeing what what he was going to bring to it, and uh, uh, that, that was a uh, that was a more memorable experience for me. Yeah, I, it was great. He he had some great, you know, he had some great moments in that record, and it was fun to see. I wish you all could see it. (laughs) What was it like watching the last movie in a room full of a bunch of fans and seeing like a live reaction to it? Um, Well, it was last year here at New York Comic Con that we did that. Uh, It was great. I mean, I know that these these crowds, it being Comic Con and all, the the crowd is is familiar with the material. They're primed for it. Um, I mean, it's fun because these... These things don't go to theater. I mean, I guess that one had a fathom release, but I don't generally, you know, they don't generally go to theater, so you don't get to see them with a crowd. Um, so that part of it is nice to see where people react. But it's it's always different. Like when I when I see it with people, it's like they react to things that I had no idea were gonna hit, and the things that I thought were like gold don't get a reaction. So it's you know. <laughs> you think any other uh, franchises, maybe like Wonder Woman seventy seven, would possibly be in the works down the line? Um, I don't know about that, but I, I, I think it'd be great. You know, I mean, we've we've all talked about it. Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this one, or wouldn't it be cool if we did, you know, Batman '89 or whatever. You know, um, but yeah, I don't I don't know any firm plans on anything like that. It'd be awesome. I wanted to piggyback off your question, your answer to her question. When you watch something live and you get unexpected reactions from the fans. 
does that change how you approach the next film? Like, like that one, that joke that we thought was going to land really didn't, so maybe we should rethink it. No. I, no. I, this sounds terrible, but there is a part of, our, of me that just, I feel like you just, we have to do what we do. You know what I mean? And if, if there are too many outside influences, like, it can kind of, I don't know, dilute or change a direction that you're that you're going and muddle things you know so I don't I mean you know it's cool if something goes really wrong then yeah probably <laughs> you'd have to reconsider but um, um, no I think it's a matter of scale like I remember uh, on, on on Green Lantern um, um, okay I remember on Green Lantern the animated series our producer Giancarlo he had this uh, he had this gag in this episode and I don't exactly remember what it was but I remember being in the animatic edit and being like and and thinking I don't know that that's funny. Like, I, I don't see it. I don't get it. And he was like, no, no, it's funny, it's funny. And everybody else that watched it was like, oh, that's not funny. And then, we, and then we showed it to the audience at Comic-Con, and it was uproarious laughter. And I was like, all right, I don't know what I'm talking about. So let's... <laughs> All right, so that was a fantastic first clip. Who do we have up next? So, um, you guys, I, I know you're probably anxious to hear um, the two biggies. So let's drop in. Uh, let's talk to Burt Ward now. Burt yes, Ward, obviously, very famous, very famous for playing Robin. Um, I, I really wanted him to be to give us one of the, you know, his lines. Oh, like, can you imagine? Like, Holy, Holy bloggers, bloggers, or something like that. Yeah, that would have been amazing. But he did, which was amazing. So there were, I think, three different tables that these they would rotate among. And when he came up, uh, most people, when they come up to the table, you know, the, to talent, whoever they are, they just sit down, they say hi, you know, and then we just j- dive into the questions. Burt Ward would walk up to the table and he would say, hello, citizens. And he would shake everyone's hand one by one. And it was just like, that was amazing. I was like, this is so cool. And it's like, he, he still, obviously he's much older than he was when he was on the show, but he still has that energy. You know, he still has that, that youth, youthful exuberance, I guess. Like he still is in love with Batman and in love with the role. And, and I mean, just, it was amazing. It was amazing to see him, and it was amazing just to see that love still shine through. Um, so here you go, Burt Ward, Robin. Wowie, Zowie, what a nice group. How are you? How are you? How are you? Hello, young man. Hello. Hi there. How are you? Hi. Hello there. Pleasure. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. All right. Never washing my hand again. <laughs> Sure. Um, I was wondering, what's like the best value like uh, that children and also adults can learn from like your version of Batman and Robin? Purity, <laughs> honesty, integrity, sharing, caring, uh, respect, um, all of the traits. I, I can't tell you how many people, because I go out and I make appearances. I sign autographs at these big comic cons like New York Comic Con. I'm not, I didn't come here to this one signing autographs, but last weekend I was in Canada and, you know, L.A. is at the end of the month, and then Milwaukee, and then Kansas City. And when I go to these, I can't tell you how many people come up, and some of these people are in law enforcement. They say, you know, I was uh, I was going to go the wrong way. I watched Batman, and I really thought how great it would be, and now I'm in law enforcement. My life changed. 
You know, I mean, so people have gotten a lot of benefit from our show. We were all sad in, in the passing of Adam West. Yes, sir. Um, we were wondering, would you be able to continue if offered the role as Robin again if they said, yes. hey, Bert, let's do this The answer again? is yes. Okay. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff coming. Okay. How has the, the character of Robin evolved, if at all, over the years from what he was I don't think there has been a change more than, but more like an update. You, you know what I mean? In other words, all of us learn from the things we do, you know? And so the changes would have been in the script, not in my characterization. It is what it is. When I was hired, they said the reason we hired you, Bert, out of 1,100 people we interviewed was because, forgetting television, if there really was a Robin, I mean, real, okay, you would be it. So we don't want you to take on a character. No, we don't want that. We want you to be Burt Ward and be enthusiastic, which obviously, I don't have to do much to do that. You know, people say, oh, you must have really, what did you do to train for this and you work on your, I don't have to do anything. It's the easiest job in the world. And I know it so well. They say, oh, did you have to go back and read comics? I said, gosh, where have you been? No way, that's me. But now you've lived a full life compared to the man who played Robin. Yeah, well, I'm not completely full. I tell everybody, I tell everybody the first hundred years are the hardest. After that, it's pretty smooth sailing. Uh, uh, do you feel like that, like jumping off that, is it sort of a testament to your characterization of Robin in that we've seen Batman portrayed so many different times, so many different ways, so many different takes, but Robin kind of seems to have a consistent thread in terms of his characterizations, his morals, yeah, not his in values. this movie. Oh, no? Ooh, really oh. good, really good. Great! I love the fight scenes and great fight scenes with Batman, mm. fighting Batman. Oh, fighting all these characters. We haven't seen it, so yeah, you, you're gonna love it. I mean, they they did a very good film last year. Got great reviews. This this is like you know, like refining, taking the best of the best and say, okay, let's let's take it up a notch. And they sure did. Oh, they did. This is great. And, and with Shatner, oh my God. Couldn't have picked anybody on earth better to do this. I mean, even you think about it, the two most iconic television shows in history, Batman and Star Trek, the actors working together, genius what they came up with that. And he is great. Wait till you, you're not gonna recognize him. I mean, you will recognize the voice, but the character, he, he is a really good actor really, really good actor. When you came together for the film last year and then again for this one, you, know, you and Adam and Julie came back, it, it, especially seeing the reception that the films have been getting, was it gratifying to see that like there still is a, this hunger for this this lighter Batman? I see it every week. Yeah. I mean, up until Adam's passing, I saw him just about every week and, and I mean, for 52 years. You know what I mean? I mean, you get to know somebody then, wouldn't you think? Yeah, no, it's, but we saw it, we see it. You see it in the eyes of the people that come up, and the kids, and the parents. I'll tell you one of the great things of all, because people say, 
gosh, don't you get tired? I mean, so, these people just keep coming and coming and coming. I say, no, you, you don't understand what happens. The people that come up when we signing autographs, let's say it's a family, mom, dad, and the two kids. They come up and when they actually get right there in front of me, right there, okay, something happens. All of a sudden, for a few moments in time, they're not grown-ups anymore. And their kids have never seen them act like this before, right? So, for example, the dad will say something like, well, when, when I was growing up, I, I played Robin, my older brother played Batman, and we used to jump off the couch and our bath towels held together with a clothespin. And look, the kids are like, Dad? And then the mother says something like, oh, and I was in love with Robin. <laughs> Mom! You know, you know they, that, I mean, that's what really happens. Okay? And then, you know, it's over, and they go back, and they become the adult role. But that moment in time, and for me, it's like going to the movies. Think of it. You're seeing people that all of a sudden go revisit their childhood. How entertaining is that? to see somebody go back in time. What does your wife Tracy think about all of this? She is the most amazing human being on earth. No, she really is. She, I don't know if you know her background. She was, she and her father, who was Forbes 400, owned uh, 4,000 companies with annual sales of 26 billion, 200,000 employees, genius. Just two little companies she owned, one's called Arby's, they make roast beef sandwiches, another one called RC Cola. And genius. And what we have done, and oh, I gotta, I gotta forget, I almost forgot. Do you know that there is a, and this ties in with her, do you know that there is a special featurette on this movie? You guys know about it? I've heard about it. Yeah. It's called The Wonderful World of Burt Ward. I thought Disney owned that. <laughs> and uh, they they did this incredibly long interview. You know, I mean, they called it, I came into Warner Brothers, and they, they said, well, we need to yeah. videotape this long interview. It went hours. And I'm saying, what, how could they possibly use this? It is so beautiful and so touching, so great about Adam and tribute to Adam, so great about the things I'm doing now. You know what I mean? And you're going you're gonna to be blown away. I mean, it is really, and they did it without me asking, without me knowing about it. It's fantastic. So my wife is a great help. She is on overnight, every night till eight in the morning. She's on the Facebook pages and stuff like that, and promoting these appearances, promoting my my visit here today. And it's uh, it, we've got over a hundred thousand followers. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? All right. Say got the, you always got this hook, you know. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, Thank citizens. You. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Thank you. So that was Burt Ward. Fantastic, fantastic. I love it. Um, so who do we have up next? So we're going to talk to the two producers and co-writers of the film right now. So first up, we'll talk to Michael Jelinek. So uh, we, it was mentioned before by Rick that um, this one's darker. So yes. why did you? How many of you guys seen it? Um, None of us. No, no, this one. Oh, I've been talking about it like everyone's seen it, and I guess no one's seen it. Um, it's premiering. It's right now. Go. Yeah. What are you talking to me for? <laughs> what? So, 
How'd you come to that decision to make a Joker? Um, I think that was, uh, so I co-wrote both of these with, with James Tucker. And I think James, which is very ironic, uh, you know, he's like just the biggest fan of the 66 stuff. Um, he's probably the one who pushed it in this the darker territory. I think he wanted to see um, what, like that tone we did in the first one, if, if like the, the 60s kept going on and all those sort of terrible things of the 60s happened, you know, what would that show sort of turn into? Um, and so this is sort of like an extension. It has a, uh, a film noir thing too, so I think that also combines some of two of James's uh, big influences, like, you know, campy Batman and, and film noir. So it's, it's definitely very different from the first one. I mean, the first one, you know, is camp and this is camp noir, and it's, it's just the juxtaposition is weird. What was it like adding a new character to this family of characters? Uh, you know, I think we knew um, Shatner was going to be playing the part, so I think that's what sort of excited us all. Um, you know, it, we knew he was probably going to end up shaping the character more than we did. His performance would be pretty interesting. Um, we were just looking at how do we make Two-Face interesting? And I mean, the challenge with Batman is he's, he's we've seen so many versions of every single villain. Um, we know all the surprises. How do we make Two-Face interesting for someone who's seen Two-Face's origin like 70 times? Um, so uh, we do some definitely different things in this one. It's, it's definitely a weirder take on Two-Face, not something that's ever been done before. Um, and I'm sure some people won't like it. <laughs> I was, of course, Adam's voice is so iconic as Batman, and as a, a fan, or do you have this moment where you geek out thinking about the things you can make Adam West say as Batman? <laughs> oh yeah, those? especially the the first movie. That that was like all my sort of wish fulfillment was, you know, trying to write in that that tone of like those Adam West deliveries. It was like, how do you how do you pull off? You know him sounding and saying something super ridiculous, but it's it's sounding not. You know, like and, and that was like his genius is that he would take these these lines that if any other actor tried to do it would sound stupid or wouldn't be funny, and he would make it like if you're a kid you you bought it and you're like oh my god he's so serious, and then if you're an adult you're like this is the funniest thing I've ever heard. So um, yeah, no, that was really a, the highlight was being able to, to to work with him and last year I you know got to spend the day with Adam and so I was really hoping he'd be here this year, but. I know, it's so sad. I won't say this too loud, but was, was he your first choice for Two-Face? <laughs> of course! No, no, actually, I don't think we would have done it if, uh, if, if he didn't want to do it, so I think we would have probably done a different, you know, movie, um, or, you know, a different... We would have uh, figured out a different into the to the story. I mean, I think uh, one of the things that excited us is, like, if, if we, you could find a star to play this role, who would have been cast, you know, if, if the, like, the 66 series kept going, who would they have cast, like, at the end of the in late 60s to play, you know, uh, this character? And I think, you know, there's really nobody else that you would have wanted back then. Um, and he, he just brings such a such a great performance to the role. He did, he did not let us down, so... When did you finish cutting the movie? Cutting the movie? Or oh. the finished product? I'm going to say it's probably April, maybe May. I mean, I know they, Adam was doing, you know, ADR, I think, in in, in March for, for this. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think uh, they had just delivered it right right, right before he passed. Yeah. So I was, I was trying to figure out the second part of the question. 
what was it like for you emotionally? You know, when I know everyone was sad when you passed away, but for this project, how did you feel? I, you know, I, it was shocking. You know, I think uh, I remember finding out the day he died, and it's like I, I was shocked. And it was, he was such a good guy. Like last year, we got to spend the day with him and, and get to know him a little bit. And he had so much energy. I mean, he was 88, and so much. He was running up and down the floor. He was in better shape than than the rest of us uh, on the thing. And, and so no, no one really saw it coming. It's like I really thought when I when I saw him last. You know, he would be here together again this year and I was like oh, I'm gonna be on a panel with Adam West and William Shatner yeah. so um, it's it's a little bittersweet to be here uh, you guys so. kind of had a unique experience last year and that you got to watch fans live react to the movie what was that like for you guys I, you know that's that's one of the most uh, sort of uh, for me personally um, intimidating things about uh, making stuff is is being in a crowd I'm a hugely self-critical person so um, sitting in a crowd and, and seeing what they think is funny because they're not lying uh, they'll, they'll tell you what you think the good thing at a Comic Con is like I think everybody comes here and they want to have a good time and, and if you're in that room um, you're all probably like super fans of, of Adam West and, and, that, and that show so it, I think it was it was gratifying for him probably to watch it and, and to, to, to you know everybody just being into his performance and, and to the tone and to what you know that, that, that show he created so um I was I was I was uh, I was pleased uh, to, to be able to, to have that experience. Now, we haven't seen the film, so forgive me if this is a dumb question. But I see on the poster, is Julie Newmar back? Julie also, Newmar is back, and not only is Julie Newmar back, Lee Merriweather is in it. Oh, wow. and how'd you work that? Up here, you know, it's funny. I was at a, uh, San Diego Comic Con like three years ago, two years ago. I don't remember. But she was at uh, the same party, and it's like, I'm working on all these things, and I just, we had to talk to her, you know, and tell her how much we appreciated her, and then I think we're like, we're going to find a part for you. We're going we're gonna to put you in this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sure enough, uh, we were able to, you know, get her in. And she, she I think she dons the uh, the cat cat suit in, in this, so, so that's nice to see. I mean, there's so many people we wanted to get in. You know, we talked about, like, Yvonne Craig and, you know, other, other, other um people so it was, it was good to get her in there and, and Julia yeah she's she's in this and she's great too uh, what was your entry point into Batman like growing up and like how did that influence the way you approach these projects my, my, my entry point into Batman I think was pajamas <laughs> like uh, someone's asking me that question it's like what, what was your first encounter it's like I don't remember a world without Batman it's like you know it's as soon as you're even like you know I've got like a two-year-old daughter and, and she knows Batman already she's never gonna not know yeah. a world without Batman so it's like you know that just the character and even like I, I don't think I really got into the mythology of Batman to like the 88 stuff you know it was what like 10 11 back then um, and when that started becoming popular I started reading the comics but first it was just like oh, I want to dress up and be a superhero um, and, and for some reason I wanted like I had you know I don't know what this is based on, but I remember me and my friend, we, would, um, we were dressed up as Batman and Superman, and I had to be Superman, and I was like, I want to be Batman. <laughs> and I don't know why. I have no, I have no idea what that was based on. Because <laughs> I'm not reading the comics at like four. <laughs> Are you enjoying the Rebirth series? Well, I am trying to stay away from the comics right now. I work on a Teen, Teen Titans show, so um, I, I, I don't want to be influenced too much by the seriousness. I want to pretend like um, 
the stupid version of the characters of God is the only one that exists. <laughs> so, what's your involvement in the Teen Titans movie, the uh, Teen Titans Go? Uh, well, it's the same crew, so it's like I'm producing and writing it um, okay. with with Aaron Horvath, um, and uh, yeah, it, I think there's a, a bigger announcement coming out for that t- tomorrow about like what it's called and who's in it. Um, but it's fun. We don't have any budget or money to make it, but <laughs> but it's 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 cool to see uh, this this show, which is very uh, split. People have divided opinions on do well. So I mean, the only comments I ever see are the negative ones on Twitter. So yeah. <laughs> but but that they're making a movie means it's doing well. The merchandise and comics could go on without Adamus. Is, is there a future for this? Is there a future to do more? Um, I don't know. I probably not. I, I mean, I don't know how you get somebody else to step into Adam West's shoes. I think really the, the appeal of this project was, was bringing back as much as the original cast as you could and, and getting letting them like step into those roles for like one last time. So I imagine this is, is, is sort of like the swan song for, for, for the series, and it's a, such a great swan song for, for Adam West, too, getting to go out playing Batman, as opposed to, like, you know, Batman's dad or, you know, a character, you know, who's influenced by Batman or something. So, so I think that, that's a nice, uh, nice any, way for him. Any chance for any other series, like Wonder Woman 77 or something? You know, when we started, we were talking about that. We were talking about doing, you know, like a button on this movie where he teams up with Linda Carter at the end, and you see Adam West is like in 77, you know, and he's aged up a little bit, and the mansion is all decorated with the, the 70s style. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that, 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 that could be a possibility, but, uh, um, yeah, it won't be. A, I don't think it would be a Batman uh, thing. So if Michael Keaton gives you a call, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get the Batman '89. Well, Michael Keaton will never give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> but if he did, I was. <laughs> you know what? I had a big pitch, and they took it seriously for a second. Was to, to you know that um, Tim Burton Superman movie, like to do anime to take that, take the you know designs, and I think they considered for a, for a hot second. And uh, Nick Cage would do it. I know, right? Yeah, absolutely do it. You should do a Smallville. Smallville? Yeah. Like the continuation story, Smallville season 11. Season 11? The, the whole. Um, season 11. Gary? Can we get a green lighter? Smallville season 11? Yes, but it's going to be uh, like Vixen and Constantine and shorts that are going to be on. <laughs> they did a uh, comic book of it, so that's why I was thinking. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to get any of these movies greenlit, so. Sprite, send in your letters. <laughs> you want the Smallville? Come on with me. Thank you you guys. Moving right along, who do we have next, Jamie? The other uh, supervising producer and co-writer on the film, James Tucker. So here you go. James Tucker, everybody. Woo! James, great to finally meet you. Great to be here at the uh, Comic-Con. What was this like for you, this uh, second film with uh, Adam West, Burt Ward, and bringing in William Shatner to this franchise? Uh, it was a lot of work is what it was. But um, <laughs> no, it was great because we wanted someone who would have been on, who could have been on the series when it was actually in production. Someone who was an iconic figure from 60s television. Um, someone who was Adam's peer at the time. And uh, 
really there's William Shatner was the only guy who fit that all those boxes, who checked off all those boxes. So he was the guy. I forget who it was who said, but they said that he, um, he was really your only choice, and that if he hadn't had time or interest, he probably would have gone in a different direction. Did yeah. you ever talk about that eventuality, like where you might have gone? Um, we didn't really. Once I mean, he said yes pretty early in the process. We hadn't even finished the first one before he said yes, but. Um, one of the things we had as part of the one of the ideas we were kicking around in in this movie, he would have still been in it, but we were thinking about using poison ivy as a accomplice or something. But then we quickly realized we have Shatner, we don't need anyone else. <laughs> so uh, that kind of changed. We we kind of that was enough for earlier draft, and then we we kind of abandoned that idea. Um, well, in this one, we, we definitely use, uh, I guess, Batman the Animated Series first brought up the idea of, of Harvey and Bruce Wayne being friends. And we wanted we used that aspect of the, their relationship, which is something we didn't really see in, in the actual 66 show. So that it gave the story a little more weight than it normally, an average 66 show would have had, or average 66 episode. I mean, we... You didn't really explore Bruce Wayne's interior emotional, you know, um, life. And uh, this is the first time we've seen someone who is a friend and a peer of his, not counting Robin and, and, and Dick Grayson. And in fact, there's a rivalry between Harvey Dent and Dick Grayson because of that. So um, it was a little deeper story than, than the actual series really tackled. Consensus seems to be that with Adam passing, that this is going to be the last of the Batman 66. Um, it, first of all, is that true? And second of all, do you, where would you like to go from here? Well, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if I'd want to be involved with something that was strictly 66 related because, I mean, I did Brave and the Bold, and that, for all for me at the time, was as close to 66 as I thought I'd ever get. So this is just, you know, gravy. I don't want to push it. <laughs> also, I don't, you know, I mean, I would, I would more than happy be either bring Brave and the Bold back or do a light, a lighter version of Batman that kind of took influences from this series. But I don't think I'd want to do a strict 66 continuation. You just can't. I don't see it. I don't. Someone might think they can do it, but they'd be wrong. <laughs> it would not be you. <laughs> it, it would not be me. No. Uh, last year, you guys had a unique experience of being able to watch the movie with a live audience and see how that react, they reacted to that. What was that experience like for you? Uh, did I watch it in the audience? I did. Uh, it was great. It was. Um, it was cool. <laughs> it's always cool um, seeing. A movie with an audience because you don't really know what you've got until you do that. Um, you think you know, but you're never quite sure until you you hear them react to stuff or not react. You know, things you think are going to work don't. Things that you didn't know were funny get a laugh. So um, it was great, and the New York Comic Con has great audiences generally. So do you have a, do you have a personal favorite '66 villain? Oh. 
I, you know, well, they're in the movie, but uh, King Tut and um, Bookworm. Nice. Wow. Nice. And the siren, but. That's amazing. <laughs> now, now, you said that you probably would not work on uh, Batman 66 continuation movie, but is there another uh, DC franchise that you would like to work on based off of the comic books? Like maybe Wonder Woman 77 keeps getting bantered about by someone here. I don't know who. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I, I mean, of course, that's like the next uh, thing on the on the wish list. Uh, but you know, you have to get people to agree to do it, and uh, that hasn't happened yet. So, come on, Linda Carter, get on the ball. Let's go. The next up is the Gotham by Gaslight, right? That's the next, uh, yeah, DC unit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a different turn, so looking forward to that. Yeah, I didn't work on it, so I can watch it with a, a clear conscience. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything on it. Usually I storyboard to do something for Bruce uh, Bruce Tim on this project just because it's Bruce Tim. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was too busy. So. Uh, what do you prefer, uh, like, or what are your favorite aspects of working with campy stuff or working with a like, darker stuff? I like both. I, I I like anything I do. I like to have a little bit of humor in it, and uh, it can go dark humor, or it can be broad camp. Okay. Thank, Bye -bye. You so Thank you, James. James Tucker is amazing. I mean, I, I was I might have oversold. No, I didn't oversell that. That's good. He's amazing. All right, yeah, next, who okay. do we have? Finally, the one you've probably been waiting for. If you didn't skip to this point, I hope you didn't skip to this point because the, there were. F Sorry, I was trying to do Star Trek. Is this a is this a Halloween episode? Like, oh, is that was supposed to be Star Trek? That just sounded like a, like a ghost. Sorry, I'm off. I suck at Star Trek theme. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So William Shatner, he is the voice of Harvey Dent and Two Face. Um, I will prepare you. So it, it's funny. Like we got one um, directive uh, before Shatner sat down at the table from the from the PR person. He was like, no questions about Star Trek. So like we were specifically told not to ask about Star Trek. Not that we were going to. Obviously, we were right, there for a Batman movie. Like we were all professional enough, I think, I hope to not ask about Star Trek. He does mention Star Trek, but... What I will say is one of the questions that was asked, um, he gets a little bit dark, uh, right. dark, maybe dark's not the right word, serious, because um, we start talking, he starts talking about gun control and the events of Las Vegas, were, which were very fresh right. um, when we were sitting down at, the, at that table. So um, Shatner is incredible. He's obviously been around the block a few times. He's been in the business. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to answer questions. Uh, he's very personable, very friendly in person, um, and uh, which was a surprise. I didn't because I, you know, certain some people come with reputations, and over the years I've heard different different stories about what he's like in person. Now, obviously, I didn't have a personal relationship with him. You know, he didn't go out for a beer or anything. But just sitting at that table for fifteen or twenty minutes with him. Um, He's he. I mean, he's an actor, but he's he was very friendly and very um very cordial. So it was just it was a it was a privilege to sit there and finally just you know be able to chat with him. So here you go, everybody, Bill Shatner. Hey, 
SIM cards with the SD card. This guy's name is William Shatner. He's an actor. He's playing for the phase. I saw an empty something. chair. You got up for a second. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny if you had one? One less chair, and we played musical chairs, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody would be. The guy who missed wasn't allowed to do the interview. I would be the guy that missed. Uh, really? No, you'd be alright. I'm not very spry. Yeah, no, but you're fast. <laughs> um, I was wondering, um, how can like uh, people learn between like the dynamics between Batman? Uh, wait a minute. How can le people learn? Learn, sorry. About the dynamics between the, dynamics. the dynamic between the friendship between uh, Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne and Batman versus Two Face. Uh, How can they learn? Yeah, they learn like, the, the act of forgiveness when somebody uh, kills uh, people that you're fond of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to be uh, a, a Quaker. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I uh, you know, if I take your question seriously, there is a. Uh, a lot of philosophies that uh, say the act of forgiveness is uh, for you, for the for the person forgiving, is much more beneficial than to carry a, a revenge or hate in your in your heart. Um, for me, I carry revenge. <laughs> I, it's very difficult to forgive a really bad uh, hurt that somebody has done deliberately to you. Very difficult to do that. Um, it's the essence of goodness, and perhaps I'm not totally good. What did you have to fundamentally understand about the Harvey Dent character to play this role? Well, you know, it's a cartoon. But if, again, if you take the question seriously, there are many voices in our psyche. Uh, my mind keeps going back to the guy in Las Vegas and mild-mannered guy apparently and never said did never got a parking ticket and uh, and what was he thinking and what was he doing what was going on in his head as he was spraying those bullets around this mild-mannered guy is what are the voices it obviously so totally sick uh, words you I'm, I'm trying to find a word that would apply to that kind of illness uh, where it's it's so devoid of humanity Ubuntu that, uh, that uh, it's incomprehensible so what's going on in his head where uh, in the times uh, today uh, the, the the guys coming out of ISIS saying well, I, I never beheaded anybody and there are these people who beheaded people how do you, how do you do that what are those voices? saying and that's if you take the question seriously that's what's going on in this ill person uh, the struggle between good and evil there was a basis for most of the other characters in these cartoons you had kind of a freedom to kind of create the voice for him what was yeah. that like well i took the cliche approach it, you know it's easy you can take an easy approach uh, to anything, and then and that sounds oh good, I, I'll do this. But if you gave it a lot of thought, uh, you might come around to not doing otherwise, and that's bad guy, and there's a good guy. Uh, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the good guy has a, a polyp <laughs> <laughs> on his larynx, 
and he's got that voice, and the and the good and the bad guy is saying, "Hey, how are you? I'm going to kill you now." You know? <laughs> I mean, you could do a whole reverse, but it's so it's so nonconformist that it might not work in a in a cartoon. Uh, were there any interesting like vocal techniques you did to get that two-faced voice? It, one of the things that struck me when I watched the clip was it just it really doesn't sound like you. You know, it's very. It's like almost like you ate a lot of yogurt or something. It's very <laughs> guttural. Yeah, vanilla. A lot of vanilla yogurt. Was, uh, Greek yogurt was the. It was the. No, it's just uh, I'm. I'm there with as an actor, mm-hmm. doing my thing. Do you enjoy playing villains? Uh, uh, that's a question. A lot of. Uh, uh, I don't know whether you really mean it because the <laughs> because the villain is the same guy as the hero, except he pulls the trigger and the hero doesn't. You know. Um, so playing a villain should be the same as playing an, uh, again cliche I'm a villain yeah. that's the way it was uh, he twirled the mustache and you knew uh, he was the villain and I'm the hero uh, that's the way it was in the 1900s but we know that that isn't really the case and in, and in ultimate reality when you're trying for the essential reality uh, who knows what you're thinking right now? I'm going to kill that guy. He's not giving me the correct answer. <laughs> That's not what I'm thinking. No. <laughs> but out of a nice reporter may lurk the animal. And the animal is disguised as a, a, a beautiful tiger with great stripes and great whiskers. And what a beautiful pet. Weston Ward are icons in your own right. Uh, what was it like working with them on the uh, video? One icon uh, as against another icon? Yes. Well, you know how you move the mouse? <laughs> I just kept moving him around. <laughs> Little Bert. Move over there, Bert. You're an icon over there. And smile because you've got a smiling icon. Um, I don't even know what the word icon means. What does that mean? Well, we hold all of you in high esteem, especially in this realm of only sci-fi. Only while you're here in this white tablecloth. No, you've been asked to go over. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so so you hold me in high esteem. Does that mean I'm an icon? I don't know what icon is. I don't know the definition of icon. But I can tell you from from my point of view, I, I don't even, I don't know how an icon walks, mm-hmm. let alone talks. Who would you consider to be an icon? How do you define? How do I define iconic person? Well, I, uh, okay. So you range into what? How you define an icon? That an icon, I guess the meaning of the word would be out of um, the Greek uh, 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 yogurt. Uh, yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to be funnier than me. <laughs> Exactly. The, uh, I'm thinking of the, um, uh, the, 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 the the voices that came out of the, the shell. The, sirens? Not the sirens, but they would go to, to uh, oracle. Perfect. The Greek oracle. So the, the, an icon must have come out of there, right? A Greek oracle. So they had pronu- uh, pronounce, pronouncements to make, and people would take that as the word. Oh, there's going to be rain, and uh, and uh, and they would leave saying there's going to be rain. That's what I think is an icon. So the pronouncement by some individual, we're going to have a war, wow. or the world has come to an end. 
that's that's I iconic. Other than that, it's stupid. Okay, well let's redirect the question. What was it oh, like? Oh, challenging. Yes. What was it like working with Adam Westenberg Ward, Ward on this video? I never saw them. You never saw them. No, the nature of doing this these kind of uh, movies is that you're locked in a booth about the size of the table. You've got a microphone and a script. And, and the only person who knows what's going on is the guy who's writing and directing and drawing the stuff. So you, the, you, the word uh, that you have to read is hello. But is it hello to somebody over there? Or is it hello to you? Or is it do I like this guy I'm saying hello to? Or do I not like this guy? How am I going to say this hello? So the producer, director, writer says, uh, you don't like this guy and you're some distance away, but you're uh, running in the, that direction. And do it seven times in seven different ways, because I'm not sure. And that's the way it works on, on these, uh, these animated films. Nobody's quite sure what the ultimate, the final picture will look like. Have you met them before? Them being whom? Well, I, 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 I'm a nodding acquaintance to Bert, uh, a little more familiar with Adam over the years. Uh, a lovely, lovely gentleman, humorous, sophisticated. Uh, he was, I, I was always, a, I, I was always attracted uh, to, to wanting to talk to him and, and uh, be in his presence for a while. He was, he was lovely. He was amusing, you know. He, he was very sophisticated, really. Uh, seemed like from, Connecticut or something, or that's always dressed, you know, <laughs> conservatively. You're no stranger, obviously, to genre and sci-fi and fantasy. Right. This world that we're in right now. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply involved in comics yeah. as we speak. I, do you, I mean, even at this point in your career, like, do you, do you ever still get butterflies? Be like, well, I'm entering, I'm going to be working, like, with Batman, or I'm going to be working with Adam. Well, not butterflies like that, but I'm about to go into a movie where uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, a, a movie I'm, uh, that I wrote the story for. They bought the script that I had made and they've rewritten. So I've got five days uh, of continuous dialogue. And I'm, and I'm learning it. It's a real, I have to drill myself. I've got it here. I drill every day, the five pages. And, and, and on a film, the camera's there. And on, on a, a, a film that doesn't have a lot of time, you got to get it right now because you make three mistakes. I'm sorry. We'll fix it in the editing room. Um, and I'm thinking, wow, this is this is a challenge. So I don't have butterflies, but I'm like looking forward to seeing if I can meet the challenge. Just learning five pages of dialogue alone is a, a feat. You know? What's what's it been like for you to see stuff that started a long time ago and really started some of the genre pieces of Star Trek and Batman? And it comes back around and just stays in the pop culture and just kind of feeds everything. Well, of course, while we were doing Star Trek, uh, we had it was on the series I was on, uh, three years, and middling success. And finally, it was about to be canceled every year, and for one reason or another, each year it wasn't canceled until the end of the third year when it was. And to all intents and purposes, that was the end of it. That was the end of that gig. And we're on to other things. And then it metastasized like uh, cancer. C.J. Hooker was only on for three seasons? No. <laughs> that, was, that was five years, actually. But that was something else. So, who knew? Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you so much. So when you before before the clip with William Shatner, you were you were saying you didn't weren't allowed to talk to him about Star Trek. So I was imagining in my head the second he sat down, it's your turn. And you look at him and go, so uh, so uh, we had Jonathan Frakes on, and he told <laughs> he told us that Leonard Nimoy said you've never seen an episode. So I sh- I should clarify. Um, we were specifically told not to ask about Star Trek Discovery, right. the new show, oh, okay. because okay. he has been getting that left and right. And I mean, I think inherent in that was don't ask about Star Trek in general because he's here for Batman. But I think the 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 idea was, please, let's not pester him with the new show, because that's not what he's here for. Right. <laughs> oh, so that was a fantastic interview. I'm so we can officially say. William Shatner's been on our podcast, so there's that. Heck, heck yeah, we can. We can float that around. Um, But we would love to have him back. Our goal is to get some captains. That's my goal, anyway. I I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's the goal. (laughs) I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Fantastic interviews from New York Comic Con. I don't think we're going to get into a New York Comic Con wrap-up this time, because it's the lines. Yeah, no point. you You know, too many crowds, yeah. whatever. I, I saw your tweet, your picture of it, the line. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say the same. So I would say the same thing as I say is after every con, you know. I mean, so there's no point. I mean, we don't need to do a wrap up <laughs> of the con. Uh, we're doing right. a wrap up of these events that were really awesome. So yeah, the Batman that you're you just listened to, and the one that's coming out next week um, for another film that's coming out in a few months from now. Um, those are cool. Those are the events that I go to Comic Con for. So I'm happy to bring that right. to you guys. All right, I can't wait to uh, see the movie, or yeah, it's a movie, right? Not a TV show. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's a stupid movie. Okay, I can't wait to see the movie, and we will hopefully do maybe we'll do like a roundup of both of the movies. We I said it before about like the Gaslight one and the Batman versus Two Face. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, get a few people that have seen it. We should do that. Talk about them. That'd be fun. Yep, absolutely. All right, so we are the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back every single week. Make sure you hit subscribe, share this episode with your friends, and follow us on Twitter at the GBB Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Also, I am Justin at 140JustinC on Twitter. I am Jamie at The Roarbots. And we will see you next time right here on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.